find somebody, shake their hand. Find somebody we don't know, let them know how glad you are to see them. And if you need a lesson, we've got people roaming around with a lesson. Grab a lesson from them so you don't miss out on anything tonight. say amen. All right, find your place, find your place, find your Bible. Uh, remain standing for just a second. We're going to read about five verses. Uh, Romans chapter number five, Romans chapter number five. And if you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, hold your hand up. We've got people roaming around with a lesson right over here, right over here. Anybody else need a lesson? Want to make sure you get one. And uh, Johnny Lawrence, where's he at? You got smoking a cigarette or something? All right, you, you getting, all right, all right, help me now. All right. And Jeremiah's up here too if you, if you need him to help you, okay? Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Verse number 1. How many of y'all are ready for a great lesson? Great lesson. This is, is going to be a really good one tonight. Uh, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad that God knows what we need when we need it. Amen? And I'm also glad that, that when we get saved, when we get saved, it's not just giving us a ticket to heaven. That's not what salvation, it's not just for that. When we get saved, God gives us a hope for right now. I'm not waiting to heaven. I'm not waiting till I get to heaven to be happy. I'm not waiting till I get to heaven to experience joy. I'm not, I'm not waiting to get to heaven to get what's coming to me. We can have heaven on earth till we make it to glory. Say amen. Now let's, let's, let's talk about uh, Romans 5 verse 1. If you found your spot, say amen. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have been studying chapter after chapter after chapter and, and understanding understanding that, that God has proven mankind guilty. God has proven mankind guilty of sin. God has proven that we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of a hero. We are in need of somebody to deliver us. And he is just the candidate. He has sent his son. So up until now, he's explained and, 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 and made sure that we understood that we were sinners. We were guilty. Then he talked about salvation and how we are saved or what takes place when we receive Christ. We are justified. And he begins to explain that justification comes from faith, not works, not following the law, not being a good citizen, uh, uh, not doing good deeds, but simply by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen. Now, with this, with this in chapter number five, he's going to start describing the benefits or the things that come to us here on earth because we are justified. Because we have a right standing with God. Because we have the righteousness of Christ in us given to us at the point of salvation. So that's basically what we're going to look at in these five verses. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. That's stout. Now, it's easy to read that in church, but when your tire blows out on the interstate, when you go to crank up your car and it's 103 degrees and it won't start, with a baby crying in the back, do I have a witness? It's hard to sing glory hallelujah then, amen? But Paul, listen, Paul is saying we can glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Father, thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to share your word. Thank you for an opportunity to study. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for the blessings of Christ. God, I pray now that you'll anoint your word. Lord, you promised that it would never return void, but it would always accomplish what it is set out to do. And Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen the saints. I pray that you'll strengthen our faith. I pray that you'll encourage the discouraged. I pray that you'll enlighten the confused. I pray, God, tonight that we can, we can learn stuff that will just excite us because we are children of the King. And God, will thank you for all that you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Five verses. Five verses. We're going to break it down. I tell you what, the, the, rest of, the rest of Romans chapter 5 is really exciting too, and I can't wait to get into that. But we're probably going to break it down in three different messages in this particular chapter because there's so much uh, information in this chapter. Uh, but in the first part, we're going to break it down, the process to promotion. The process to promotion. When we get saved, when we get saved, some people have the idea that, that salvation is just about getting your name and glory and getting a ticket to heaven, and, and that's it. But that's not so. That's not so. And if, if, if salvation, a, a ticket to heaven was the end result of salvation, then God would have took us home the moment we received him. But there's so much more to it than that. There's so much more to the Christian life. There's so much more to the Christian walk. And, and these things are wonderful. These things are a blessing to everyone that believes in him. And as he begins to describe them, let's look at them. There's two things, really, two main points that we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about blessings. We're going to talk about the provision that God gives us. What do we receive from him when we get saved? Not only that, but we're going to look at the process. Now, I, I would rather just hunker down in the provision, and forget about the process. Because sometimes the process, not, not sometimes, most of the time the process is uncomfortable. Most of the time the process is painful. Most of the time it is difficult, but it is necessary. It is necessary. So two things we're going to look at tonight. The provision that we receive, the provision that comes our way when we get saved, and then we're going to talk about the process that we go through for us to become what Christ wants us to become. Is that good? Say amen. Number one. Number one. In the first two verses, in the first two verses, let's look in them. Verse, verse number one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have. We have. In other words, we receive. There's something coming our way. We have first peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Now watch. In the first two verses, we find the provisions we enjoy. In listing these provisions, Paul told how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Our justification is not simply a guarantee of heaven, as thrilling as that is, but it is also the source of tremendous blessing that we enjoy here and now. In the next three verses, we find the process we experience. There is a process every Christian goes through that when they are saved that God uses to change them in order to be, for two reasons. God wants you changed for two reasons. One, to be more like him, and, and number two, for him to be able to use you for his glory. And, and we're going to use the illustration, if, if God will let me remember it, of Peter and how God changed Peter and worked on Peter at the end, all right? So, number one, we see the provisions we enjoy. What's the, what's the first provision we find in verse number one? We have peace with God. Number one, or A, un, under your notes, we have peace with God. The unsaved person is at enmity with God because he cannot obey God's law or fulfill God's will. Romans 5.10 says it this way. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What does Romans 5.10 say about the, the believer? How, what was his state with God before he was saved? We were enemies. God was our enemy. God was our enemy. But the Bible says that the moment we trust in Christ, we are made peace. God brings and reconciles. Jesus brings and reconciles us with the Father so that now we have peace. Amen. Two verses from Isaiah make this matter really clear. Isaiah says this. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Say it with me. Say it with me, everybody. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. That's why there'll, be, there'll never be peace in the Middle East. There'll never be peace with man trying to bring it. The only one that will ever bring peace upon this earth is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. There's no peace to the wicked. That's why when we get out of the will of God, that's why when we get out of church and we, when we backslide on God or get into a place we're not supposed to be, that's why we can't have any peace. That's why we have no joy. That's why we're miserable. That's why we can't. <laughs> Listen, the most miserable person in the world is the one that's saved and out of the will of God. He can't go out there and feel comfortable. He can't come in here and feel comfortable. There's no peace to the wicked. But the Bible says also in Isaiah, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. There's something about it as a little kid when you're growing up. When you're doing right, you don't mind getting around your parents. But when you're doing wrong, you hate to see him coming down the driveway. Say amen. That's if you had one like mine. You know, my, my dad's first answer, I interviewed him, 830 services, first answer, what would you do more? He said, beat y'all. Amen. That, that was his answer. And I knew, I knew if I was misbehaving, the last person I wanted to see was my father. But I knew if I was doing right, and I knew if I was, I was doing what was pleasing to him, he was the first one I wanted to see. If I got good grades or if I, I did a, a good deed or, 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 or had a great accomplishment, man, I couldn't wait to see my father. Now, guys, sometimes we need to really learn this. God hasn't heard from much of us, many of us here in this room, because we might not be living the way we should be living. And God's not angry with you. He's wanting to see you. And he's wanting to hear from you. 
but you got to come to him. Amen? Now listen, we have peace with God. Condemnation. Condemnation means that God declares us sinners, which is a declaration of war. But justification means that God declares us righteous, which is a declaration of peace. Made possible by Christ's death on the cross, nobody condemned by the law can enjoy peace with God. But when you are justified by faith, you are declared righteous, and the law cannot condemn you or declare war. Man, I tell you what, there's no greater feeling in this world than knowing you're right with God. That knowing you're right with God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing, knowing uh, the wrath of God, and knowing that, that listen, what you sow, you're going to reap. Knowing that when, when you're right with God, it makes all the difference in the world. Peace. First thing we receive, the blessing, the provision that God gives us of salvation is peace. The second thing, we have peace with God. Then it says this in verse number 2. By whom also we have access by faith. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now here is a really, really important fact that I need everybody to understand. Uh, when we, when in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, there was a barrier that separated man from God. If you remember, if you remember studying, which I'm on, let me let me read, let me read just a minute, and then I'll I'll, des- I'll describe it what I'm talking about. And and, and B, write this down, access. The Jew was kept from God's presence by the veil in the temple. And the Gentile was kept out of, uh, by a wall in the temple with a warning on it that any Gentile who went beyond would be killed. But when Jesus died, he tore the veil and broke down the wall. And in Christ, believing Jews and Gentiles have access to God and they can draw from the inexhaustible riches of the grace of God. Now here's how that worked. In the Old Testament, when they built the tabernacle, uh, uh, there was there was uh, basically two two sections of the tabernacle. Uh, there was an outer court, and then there was the the uh, uh, the holy place and the holy of holies. So I guess there was really three. Uh, inside the one compartment, inside the curtains, there there was two there was two areas. First, in in this outer area, if you will, uh, there was the, the 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 golden candlestick. There was the altar of incense, was which was right in the middle, and then there was the the table of showbread. Those three things represented uh, inside the holy place. Where was it? Inside the holy place. But behind the veil, behind the curtain, we see there's a separate part. There's a separate part which was called the holy of holies. Say it with me. The and that is where the Ark of the Covenant was, or the mercy seat. That is where the, the presence of God rested. And that is where that, that when, when the high priest would go in once a year, and he could not go but without blood. He had to go in for the, uh, the sins of the people, and he took blood once a year. He had the privilege and the opportunity to go in the very presence of God. But it was only the high priest and only once a year. Common people couldn't do it. Gentiles could not even come into the, into the court uh, where the Jews were. They would be killed. But there was a place and a time on Calvary's tree when Jesus died on the cross that the Bible says that the veil which separated man from God was ripped from the top to the bottom. 
And if you study that curtain, if you study that veil, uh, teams of horses did not have the ability to pull it apart because it was so thick and it was so strong. But God himself with his own hands ripped it from the top to the bottom, not so God could get out, but so that we could go in. We have access unto God. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't even have to go to a preacher. You don't have to wait for your Sunday school teacher. You don't have to wait for somebody who you think is holier than you are. The Bible said, let us come boldly before the throne of God to receive the grace that we need. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what you know. It doesn't matter how much Bible you know. We have access to the throne of God, the God who made the stars, the God who made the sun, the God who made the universe. We little old puny human beings have access to the God of glory. Somebody say amen. Access. We can go anytime, anytime. And, and look, we can go boldly, boldly. Everybody on this property, everybody on this property knocks on my door before they come in my office. But one little person, about that big. Mackenzie Grace, don't wait for nothing. So if in you're in my office and you're squalling and tore up and she's coming to see her daddy, you're just going to have to live with it. She don't knock. She don't wait. She comes right on in. You know why? Because I'm her father. And <laughs> what a privilege. What an honor that there's nothing separating us. You don't have to be a Jew Listen, you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't, have to, you don't have to be great. You don't have to have people hiding behind the curtain. You know, I could pick better people than that. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine the Old Testament tabernacle, this arm coming out, you know? Let's give. <laughs> oh, only a Lawrence, amen. Give them a hand. Amen. All right, y'all through. Come on out so y'all don't miss nothing. Access. Access. How many of you, how many of you have, have felt like, how many of you have felt like sometimes that you prayed and it hit the ceiling and come back down? Listen, there, there's times in my life, there's times in my life when I feel like I'm unworthy to talk to him. Have you ever felt like that? I done done so much, I ain't, watch this. In a justified state, it doesn't matter what you've done, you have access. Some of y'all ain't getting that. Say, preacher, I done this and I done that and I'm, I'm not right with God. That may be so. And your fellowship may be hindered. But you still have access to God to fix your problem. Are y'all getting that? You see, if the high priest, if the high priest came into the holy place, the holy of holies, and he was not right, he was not prepared, he, he, he did not come and approach God in the right way, what would God do to him? Kill him. guess what? No matter if you're right or not, you have access. 
Now, here's the point. And the reason I'm making such a big deal about that, there's been times in my life I didn't go to God because I was afraid he was mad at me. And I felt like I was too sinful to go to him or I'd done too many mistakes to go to him, that I had to fix it so I could go to him. Watch this. You can't fix it without going to him. So forget about your pride. Forget about worrying about what God's going to think or what God's going to do because God already knows it all anyhow. I'll tell you what. Listen, the worst things I ever did in my life has been after I was saved. The worst things I've ever did in my life was after I was saved. I grew up a preacher's kid, pretty really, really conservative, really, really. Y'all seen my dad up here. Preached against everything, including warm tap water. Got to be cold, amen? Ridiculous stuff. I mean, now let me change that. He preached against everything. So I got saved early in life, so the biggest mistakes I've ever made was later on. Guess what God knew when he saved me? What I was going to do. That's why he's kept the access open. And available. And because of salvation, because of our justified state, we have access to the throne of grace. Church, say amen. Look here. We stand in grace and not in law. Justification has to do with our standing. Sanctification has to do with our state. The child of a king can enter his father's presence no matter how the child looks. The word access here means entrance to the king through the favor of another. Say amen. All right, what else do we have? Whatever, what other provision do we have tonight? The Bible says in verse number 2, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in, what's that word? Hope. Write that word down. We have peace. We have access. We have hope. Peace with God takes care of our past. How many of y'all are glad you don't have to worry about what you did before? He's forgiven it. We have peace with him over those things. He will no longer hold our sins against us. Then we have access to God for the present. How many of y'all have problems y'all need to take to him today? Several things come into my life this week. Several issues and I'm like, dear God, help me. What? And Lord, you're going to have to help me with this. And guess what? I have access to come to him for help. I have access to come to him in a time of need. I have access to come to him. I have the ability to come to him when I need his help. And and by the way, that's a regular thing for me. Amen? We have access for the present. We can come to him anytime for the help we need. Then we have hope of the glory of God, which takes care of the future. One day we will share in his glory... The word rejoice can be translated boast. Now, not only in Romans 5, 2, but also in Romans 5, 3, and 11, it's translated joy. When we were sinners, there was nothing to boast about because we fell short of the glory of God. But in Christ, we boast in his righteousness and glory. And Paul, we're going to see in, in, in Psalm, or excuse me, Romans chapter 8, he's going to, he's going to extend this and, and amplify this even more. So, so what's the point? I'm not bragging in me. Any bragging is going to be done we're going to brag in him, amen, because he's one made it possible. All right, let's look at verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. This is 
this is, I think, where you're going to get the most out of this study tonight. All that other stuff is encouraging. It's exciting. I love talking about it. And, you know, you could have a camp meeting service over that stuff. And that's great. But this verse is where me and you live. How many of y'all watched fireworks, 4th of July? It's cool, wasn't it? I got some pictures on my phone, and, and, uh, and they was bright, and they was loud, and they were temporary. They made a big deal, excited a lot of people, but it left as quick as it came. Now, not saying that none of that stuff we just said is, is, is any less important, but sometimes we get so jacked up about this and excited about this, we forget about what we're dealing with down here on earth. In other way, in other way sometimes we get so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. We don't need to be so spiritual that we forget that we're living here on earth. We don't need to, we don't need to get so high in the clouds that we forget Kind of like this. You remember when uh, Peter, James, and John went into the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus? And Jesus is being transfigured. What, what does that mean? The glory on the inside started showing on the outside. Woo. And just a thought. I don't usually run rabbits, but this is a good one right here. What did, what did Moses, who was up on that mountain with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus? Moses and who? Elijah. Moses and Elijah. What did Moses ask to see when he was still on earth? God, show me your, your glory. Guess what he brought Moses back to earth to see? Anyhow. Y'all get it later. Check out John 1. See, I, on Wednesday we can dig deep and I'll give you something to chew on, just a nugget. It might be like beef jerky. You might have to chew a while, but you'll get it. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Later on in that chapter, chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His what? Glory. Glory as of the what? Only begotten. Well, anyhow, Jesus is being radiated. The glory on the inside, the deity, what He is the, the, the God was, was radiating out of him. It was just a camp meeting ex experience. And this is, what, this is what Peter said. Let's build a tabernacle for everybody. Let's build one for Moses and build one for Elijah. And be, you know, basically saying, let's stay here. Now, I would love to stay in this type atmosphere where we brag on God and we study the word and it's exciting. But Jesus said, actually, God the Father said it. He said, this is my son, hear him. And boy, they just, and they come down off the mountain. And when they come down off the mountain, the other disciples was having to cast out a devil that they was having real problems with. What's the point? The point is this. We can't get so jacked up about the mountaintop experience that we forget there's hurting people on earth that need us. And, and God needs to work on us so that he can use us. 
and, and the work that he does to us and for us and through us is sometimes painful. Now, the provisions of salvation is wonderful, aren't they? Access to God, hope, uh, peace with God, all that's great. But watch what, watch what else comes with salvation. And not only so. It's easy to glory in hope. It's easy to glory in access. It's easy to glory in peace with God. But not only so. Not only so but verse 3, we glory in... Oh, oh, oh y'all getting quiet. We glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh faith. And, and by the way, tribulations are difficulties, hardships, trials, suffering. Suffering. Now, don't let somebody that don't know their Bible tell you that if you're suffering, you're not right with God. And, and, and they, don't mean, they don't mean what they say because they don't know their Bible. Uh, suffering is part of the process that God uses to form you into the image of his son. How many of y'all believe Paul was right with God? Do y'all realize he suffered more than, I think the only other person that we could really look at in the Bible that suffered more than him through, through, through the extension of his life would probably be Job. Shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, left for dead, so many things that he went through. But what a man of God he was. And what, what, what things he accomplished for God. But he had to go through a process. A process. Now, now let's look at this process. The first thing we see, A, write this down. I want you to see the circumstances that we face. The circumstances that we face. Don't always blame the devil for problems. Don't always blame the devil for problems in your life. You know, Mary and Martha, probably in their mind, they, they, they may have, I don't know, but they may have wanted to blame the devil for what happened to Lazarus. But what happened to Lazarus was right on God's schedule and his timetable and his plan. Because he wanted to reveal to them and everybody else that he was not just a physician, he was the resurrection. And you can't have a resurrection without a death. And sometimes there's things we experience in our life, there's troubles that we go through in our life, there's problems that we face in our life. It's not necessarily the devil. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's our own foolishness and poor decisions, but many times God may be allowing us to experience circumstances to use to mold us into what he wants us to be. Now, justification is no escape from the trials of life. In this world, John says, we shall have tribulation. But for the believer, trials work for him and not against him. Underline that in your notes. Underline that in your notes. For the believer... Trials work for him and not against him. No, um, and by the way, let me say this too. Even things that come your way because of poor decisions, God can use them. For instance, I do not believe, I do not believe that God made Peter deny him. I believe that was a poor decision from an immature, uh, uh, unprepared disciple. But 
God used it. There is nothing, say that with me, there is nothing that can come your way, whether the devil brought it, whether a poor decision brought it, or whether God led it into your, your path, that God can't turn it around and use it for your glory. Amen. Listen, no amount of suffering can separate us from the Lord. Instead, trials bring us closer to the Lord and make us more like the Lord. Our English word tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum. In Paul's day, a tribulum was a heavy piece of timber with spikes in it that was used for threshing of grain. The tribulum was drawn over the grain and it separated the wheat from the chaff. And as we go through tribulations, God depends, excuse me, and depend on God's grace, the trials only purify us and help us to get rid of the chaff. John 16, 13, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Maybe God's letting you go through something very frustrating right now because God's trying to get some stuff out of you. God may be trying to get some bitterness out of you. God may be trying to get some anger out of you. God may be trying to get some... some uh, uh, what's what's the word? Help me. Self uh, self sufficiency out of you. I like I like Peter. He he's so he's so cool because he was he was all about doing whatever. He he was very he he showed a lot of initiative. He he was very industrious. Uh, uh, he he was always and a lot of people criticize him because he got in trouble a lot. But he walked on the water. Rest of them didn't. He got to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, and and he was he was he was ready. But his flesh wasn't. His spirit meant well, but Jesus knew he wasn't ready for the job that Jesus had for him. But the only problem was Peter didn't know it. And when Jesus tried to tell him, he wouldn't believe him. He was he was saying, look. Look, Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing this. This is not King James. I'm, this is MC, all right? <laughs> hey, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I love you more than everybody else because Jesus said, listen, the, the, the shepherd's going to be smitten and the sheep are going to scatter. And, boy, Peter didn't want to hear that. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, hey they, may all, they may all leave you, but not me. Oh, no, uh-uh. Now, see, there was something about Peter. He had potential. God had already put in the plan that he would have the keys of the kingdom. Y'all remember when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And, and Peter said, hey, we believe thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Some say thou art Elias. Some say thou art one of the prophets. Some even think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. But we believe thou art the Christ. Jesus says unto thee, thou art Peter. Unto thee I'm going to give the keys to the kingdom. What thou shalt loose on, on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And, and so here, here Peter has this great potential. He has this great destiny that Jesus has done proclaimed. And he was going to do a great thing for God, but he was full of himself. He was arrogant. He was cocky. He was not humble. And God can't stand pride. He was full of pride. It may have been because he was one of the inner circle, one of the, the inner three, Peter, James, and John, who got to experience many things that the rest of the disciples didn't. Whatever the, whatever the case may be, he was not ready to accomplish the task that God had given him. So, Jesus says this, Peter, your spirit is willing, 
but your flesh is weak. Satan hath desired to have that he may sift you as what? Tribulum. He may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. In other words, you're fixing to go through something that's going to break your heart. You're fixing to experience something that's going to be very painful. So how do you know it's very painful? Because the Bible says when he denied the Lord that third time, the cock crew and Jesus looked at him, and Peter looked at Jesus, and their eyes met, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. You don't weep bitterly unless it's painful. And if you look up the word bitterly and, and study it out, it means to cry to the point you have no tears. It was very painful. But you see, the devil said, Woo! I got the big dog. And God up in heaven said, Yeah, you did. You just, you just got him ready for me. The devil thought he had the big dog beat. And even the big dog felt like a puppy. But in, in behind the scenes, Peter made a mistake. It was a poor decision. The devil brought it on him. Satan desired to have him. He sift him as wheat. But see, sifting wheat is where you break the outer shell of the wheat, and then you get the meat on the inside. And the meat on the inside is what you bake bread with. And you see, Peter wasn't ready to accomplish the task that God had for him. So he allowed circumstances to come in his life. Poor decisions on Peter's half. Uh, uh, the, 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 the temptation and, and the attack of Satan on one side. But through it all, God was working. When it was all said and done, you have Peter and Jesus standing on the shore. And Jesus says, Peter... love me you remember what happened before everybody else can run out but not me basically Peter's saying I love you more than everybody bless God Peter do you love me how many times did Peter deny Christ how many times did Jesus ask Peter do you love me And then Peter went out on the day of Pentecost and preached the house down and saw thousands saved because he allowed circumstances, painful circumstances, to mold him into what God wanted him to be. There's a man by the name of Moses. Moses. Moses, the Bible says, was a man mighty in word and deed. Many people don't know that part of Moses. The New Testament clearly says Moses was educated with the finest schools of Egypt. He was a man mighty in word and deed. But what do we know as little bitty children growing up with the flannel graph and everything in Sunday school? What do we know about Moses? Mo, 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 Moses, had, 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 he, had, he, had, he had speech pro problems and he, 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 he couldn't. He, he, that's why somebody else had to speak for him. But you see, Moses was not always like that. In the very beginning, he was a very powerful man. He was a diplomat. He was a statesman. 
He was educated. He was in the royal family. Y'all know the story. But you see, he had a destiny. He had a calling from God. He had a destiny. And one day in the future, he would, res- he would bring and rescue God's children out of Egypt. But there was only one problem. He wasn't ready. He was too full of himself. He had power. He had ability. He had skills. And he saw an Egyptian uh, persecuting a, an Israelite. And he went and killed him. He said, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going I'm to fulfill my destiny with my hand. You see, he wasn't ready. That was his destiny. But he wasn't ready. Because, see, if he could accomplish it then, he would have got the glory. So what happened? They rushed him out of Egypt. He ran for his life to the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years out in the wilderness. 40 years out in the woods away from anybody. And experts say that that, that men have, who have gone in the wilderness to, 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 to watch sheep and, and, and if they stay extended periods of time without communication with other adults and other human beings, they lose the ability to communicate. What are you saying? I'm saying this, that he had a destiny, he had a great calling, but he wasn't ready. God had to allow circumstances to come in his life to mold him. Y'all with me? You see, in the beginning, in the beginning, when he tried to do it on his own, when he tried to do it in his power, when he tried to do it in his might, and isn't that the same thing Peter did with the sword in the garden? When he tried to do it so he would get the glory, it didn't work. And he ran out. Forty years in the wilderness, God's preparing him. Now all of a sudden, one day, he's in the wilderness. And there's a bush over there that's on fire, but it won't burn up. Now that's not an unusual sight, a bush being on fire in the desert. But it is for it not to burn up. i got to go check this out. He goes and watches that, and God speaks to him. Take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. He said, all right, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go bring my people out of Egypt. I, I can imagine what he thought. I done tried that one time. You know what he said? You know what he said? I can't. And you know what God said? Now you're ready. And Guess what the book of Psalms describes the way he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? As a shepherd would lead sheep. He wanted to do it as a mighty military commander. Nope. He would get the glory. So God allowed, what's the word? Come on, everybody. God allowed circumstances to mold him into what he wanted him to do. There's another one in the Bible. And this ain't this is not in your notes. This is just coming to me. So just what whatever. How many of y'all remember? boy by the name of Joseph. Joseph got a dream. Joseph received a destiny. Everybody's going to bow down to me. And you know what? He told everybody. 
and but that that wasn't that wasn't the deal. The Bible says his brothers hated him. Now, why did his brothers hate him? It says two things: because of the dream, and because of his word. Now, how many y'all ever? How many y'all ever known a seventeen-year-old young man? Y'all ain't never known one. Now, imagine the 17-year-old young man you know, and he's just been told he's going to be a world ruler. How do you think he's going to act? You're right. The Bible says that his brothers hated him for the dream and his word. I believe Joseph was a little arrogant. And I believe he was a little full of himself. And I believe he was just rooting it on his brothers. So God had to allow some what? Circumstances. What circumstances? First place he ended up was in a pit. Brothers threw him in a pit. And in that pit, there's three places that Joseph was before he made it to the palace. He was in a pit. He was in Potiphar's house. And then he was in the prison. In Potiphar's house, the Bible says, and the Lord was with him. In the prison, it says, and the Lord was with him. But the only thing it says about the pit is that it was empty. And you know what they did before they threw him in the pit? They stripped him of the coat of many colors. The coat of many colors was his significance. That's, that's what he, he was, the father's golden child. And God stripped him of his significance. Because he wasn't ready to be king. He wasn't ready for his destiny. He wasn't ready to be used of God to do a great thing and bring glory to God. So God allowed circumstances. And, and, and see, it was, it was Moses' significance what it took away from him. It took away his, his ability. It says in the New Testament that before Moses was a man mighty in word and deed. And that's what God took away from him. So that the only thing he could glory in is God. Now guys, there's many of us, including me, everybody in this room. If there's anything we can brag in and glory in, God will remove that. He will allow circumstances to take away what we're proud of. What we think we, we are and we have the ability. Not, not just so we can't have something. It's so that we will glory in Him. Now watch this. Look at your notes. George Frederick Handel, the great musician, lost his health. His right side was paralyzed. His money was gone. His creditors seized and threatened to imprison him. Handel was so disheartened by his tragic experience that he almost despaired for a brief time. But fate prevailed and he composed the greatest work, the Hallelujah Chorus. Through despair, through difficulty. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. The Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. He allows us to go through the test of suffering and trial so that we may be fashioned into instruments of what? Strength. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh what? Patience. The process we go through, we see the circumstances we face, then we see the constancy we find. 
or the fashion. The constancy we fashion. See the word patience, if you look it up in your concordance, it means a cheerful endurance or a constancy, a steady hand. You see, the Bible says we're in need of patience. Why? A cheerful endurance. This world, especially, there's never been a time, there's never been a time, I think, in the history of the world when lost people need to see saved people confident in their God. Because they're afraid. They're afraid of the economy. They're afraid of what's going on in the Middle East. They're afraid of the collapse in the, in the, in the European market. They're afraid of what's going on in Iran and China and Russia. Listen, there is such a fear all over the world. But guess what? God is in control. And we will never have patience till we experience tribulation. I, uh, there was one lady that had seven children in, in South Carolina. And, and I can get around two for seven minutes. And I need a pill. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I just, I, I'm, that's why I'm not in the nursery. Amen. I, I walked in her house and they were swinging from the chandeliers. They was playing in the sink. They was doing, and she was just so calm. One screamed out and I thought we needed to call 911, but she, it was no issue. Just a cheerful endurance. Why? She'd been through so much stuff. She's been through so many experiences that she knows patience. I don't like that word. I don't like that word because what brings that word? I need a witness. Y'all don't look at me so holy. You don't either. Car breaks down and we want to, you know, abandon God. You know, isn't it amazing how quick we'll, we'll, we'll abandon God? It never ceases to amaze me, never ceases to amaze me how I can watch God do so many things for people and then them turn right around and throw him out the window. Well, why is this happening to me? It may be that you're not where you're supposed to be. It may be there's things in your life that's keeping you from being the best that you can be and God wants to bring the tribulum, the tribulations in your life to get the chaff out. So that he can bake bread. So he can have a day of Pentecost experience. So, so that he can have a, a, a Joseph sitting on the throne uh, saving the world. It may be that God's got a great destiny for you. But we keep kicking him. And fighting him. When God tries to do a work in our life. I promise you. God will never allow an experience in our life without a purpose. That's why it's so important. It's not that we have to understand him. We have to trust him. Amen? Listen. Patience. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Yeah. Count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations, different struggles, different trials. 
knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, her complete work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And by the way, by the way, God's going to let tribulation come your way whether you ask for patience or not. A lady came to me one time, I thought she was going to tackle me and choke me. Oh, don't pray for patience. Oh, my gosh, don't pray for patience. Because you know what happens. I want to tell a lady, I don't care if you pray for it or not, it's coming. I mean, this is not like a secret formula, if you, if, you know. Are y'all with me? What am I saying? I'm saying that we've got a God in heaven who knows you to a T. He knows what needs to come out of your life, and he knows what needs to go into your life, and he's going to bring into your life whatever's necessary to get stuff out and to put stuff in. Amen? I'll move right along. C. The process is about circumstances we face. There's a constancy we fashion in our life that we we develop patience. Patience works experience. Listen, that's the character that we find. Suffering builds Christian character. Suffering builds, let's say it all together. Suffering builds Christian character. The word experience in Romans 5, 4 means character that has been proved. Character that has been proved. Everything we experience in life, God uses to develop us more and more into the image of his son. Romans 8, 28. Everybody knows 28, but they don't know 29. We know that all things, what things? The good things, the bad things, the happy things, the sad things. All things. The things that I do, the things that the devil does to me, and the things that God allows to come my way. All things. Work how? Together. For good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his. Check this out. Joseph. All those bad things kept happening to him. He got, he got, he got tackled by his brothers. They was going to kill him. Stripped him of his significance, stripped him of his garment, threw him down in a pit. He's worried to death he's going to die. They sell him as a slave into Egypt. Now he's a slave to Potiphar. He's in Potiphar's house doing, doing right, still showing character and godliness. And, 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 and Potiphar's crazy wife lies on him, saying he tried to rape her. That's a lie. He gets thrown into prison. Mm, let me change this. Over here is his homeland. Follow me, camera, follow me. Over here is Egypt, which is a long way from his homeland. Now watch. He starts out. Now, now what is that over there? What, listen, where did he sit on the throne? Where's his destiny? Now here he comes to check out his brothers. They arrest him, throw him in a pit. What's he closer to? 
Now they sold into slavery. And now he's in Potiphar's house. What is he closer to? Which is his. Everything's happening to him. It's terrible. And in Joe's mind, Joe, Joseph's mind, it's getting worse and worse. But in God's eyes, you're getting closer and closer. It gets better. When she lies on him, he gets thrown into prison. But not just any prison, the king's prison. Where the king's prisoners are. Every step, every circumstance that took place was just getting him closer and closer and closer to his destiny. You might think everything in the world's falling apart in your life. What in the world? I lost my job. I got sick. This happened, that happened. You're thinking, what in the world? And it might be looking worse and worse to you. But to God, you're getting closer and closer. Don't give up on him. Don't quit. What if he'd have been in Potiphar's house and said, what's the use? Come on, baby. Oh, you ought not talk like that. How many Christians have been living their life, and it seemed like everything went bad for them, so they gave up on God and gave in to temptation? And they said, what's the use? When it could have been that the circumstances in their life was bringing them closer and closer to their destiny, and they quit too soon. Tribulation. Tribulum. Don't quit too soon. It's always too soon to quit. Say it with me. It's always too soon to quit. Preacher, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't either, but he does. And this is what, this is, what does that verse say? For I know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So God's in the background working it. Little of this, little of that, little of that. He's working it, right? Joseph's on the throne in his destiny. His brothers come. I got a minute and 18 seconds. His brothers come. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd have been him, they'd have had a bad day. And he did mess with them a little bit. He did have a sense of humor because he was, just go read the story. It's better than Reader's Digest. He had them sweating bullets. Well, it come time, their daddy was going to die, and they said, oh, my goodness, daddy's going to die. As soon as he dies, he's going to have our heads because of what they did to him. But this is what Joseph said. This is so good. He said, boys, what you meant for evil, God God meant it for good. Preacher, what if somebody comes against me? It's okay. There's somebody bigger than you and them that's working on your behalf. 
having some people run their mouth about me. I've had people come in, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? Nothing. I didn't do anything. So I don't have nothing to say. Well, what? I said, there's somebody with bigger hands than mine. God will bring good. You just got to trust him. Amen. What a God. Don't give up on the process. Because he's wanting us to be more like his. And by the way, Joseph was the greatest type of Christ in the Bible. The greatest type of Christ in the Bible. When you look at the overall picture, he, he was the greatest type of Jesus Christ in the whole Bible. The image of his son. And all God's people said, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for a study that makes us think. Thank you for a study that convicts us to hold on. Thank you for a study that convicts us to, to trust you in our tribulations, trust you in our difficulties, trust you when we don't know where to turn or what to do. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you, you would just move in an awesome way this Sunday. God, this is the last message on the Courageous series, and I believe it's going to be the best of all. God, I, 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 I have witnessed you working on the men in our church, the families in our church. God, just keep it on. You've been changing me. You've been changing my attitude. You've been changing things in my life, Lord, that needed changing. And you're doing it across the board. And I pray that you'll continue to do those very things. Bless them all tonight. Help us to get home safely in the rain. Lord, bless the children as they're learning and enjoying uh, not only games and fun, but they're learning about Christ. I pray that you'll bless us now as we go and we invite somebody to come with us to church this Sunday. In Jesus' name we all pray and all God's people say it. Amen. I think everybody is in the gym. Is that, is that correct, Brother Dustin?